creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. I'm your host, Danny J. Pizza. Today on the show, we have special guest Jesse Rollet, aka Etta V. Jesse is a painter and designer and has an incredible connection with her audience through social media. I wanted to have Jesse on the show because. Here's a person, uh, she's an American artist living and working in France, and her creative journey maps onto the hero's journey so perfectly. And as longtime listeners know, I'm obsessed. I'm one of those nerdy Joseph Campbell kind of people because discovering the hero's journey was the discovery of the growth mindset in my creative practice. It is what taught me to not run from obstacles, but see them as the opportunity for an actual creative solution. If there's no obstacle, the creativity has been had, right? We've been talking a lot about that on this show this year. And Jesse's path illustrates that in such a phenomenal way. There's such a clear call to adventure, mentor, tests, allies, seizing of the creative pencil sword, it's all there. And although I had heard uh, Jessie tell her story in other capacities and different places online, um, in the plot sense of this happened, that happened, and that happened, there were a lot of like gaps underneath that I wanted to dive deeper into and get a sense of the emotional side and also the kind of... Um, creative strategy and and philosophy side. And so we dive into a bunch of pieces. I think there's a lot of big kind of takeaways and breakthroughs that we find along the way. I hope that you love it and leave as inspired as I did. I had things in this conversation that as soon as I was done, was going to take action on um, because it unlocked some stuff. Hope the same happens for you. Let's go. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, 
It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Jesse, I'm super pumped to have you here. I'm thank so you so much for uh, making some time to do this. First off, I just want to say thank you so much because I've been listening to your podcast for the longest time. And whenever I like saw your message, I was just like, oh, like me? Like I listen <laughs> to your podcast. Me? So I'm like, my mind is blown. So That's really excited really to be nice. here. That's really nice. And we wanted to have you on the show for a long time. And then when I started to do the research, I was like, oh, no. We should have done this years ago oh, because no. I didn't realize that not only are you a, an American artist who lives in Europe and I have, you know, I have that same kind of backstory, but also I did not know that you were from Indiana. Yes. Yes. Which just blew my mind. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, there's so much, so much we have to talk about. There's so much. What party are you from? I was born in Franklin, which is a little bit south of Indy. And then I, I went to high school in Columbus, Indiana. Oh. And you're from Evansville? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm from Evansville. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Who's your time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. My brother actually lives in Evansville now. Although are you I serious? Been there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He just moved a couple years ago. What a small world. I know. Oh my it's very, gosh. very small. And I, so my first question is related to that because as a creative weirdo myself, I'm not calling you a weirdo, but I'm a weirdo. you are creative. What was it like? What, basically, just to give you a heads up, I want to go through kind of the plot of your story. So let's go all the way back to the, the ordinary world, which was growing up in Indiana as a creative spirit, what was that like? Honestly, there's there's a lot in there, honestly. Um, yeah. Starting off, my parents realized that I had a knack for art at the age of four, whenever I was at my preschool and they had this big chalkboard and they were like, oh, like kids go crazy on the chalkboard. But like, I like really went crazy and I drew a whole scene from like the little mermaid and I was like, all the characters were there and all the colors and they were like, whoa, like, okay. And they displayed it in the lobby of like the preschool for um, like a month, I think. And so my parents were like, okay, like maybe there's something here. Like let's put her into art classes. So yeah, I've been taking art lessons since I was five. And I would say that growing up in Indiana, there's kind of this weird push and pull because there was, Evansville is, is quite conservative and you know, there's kind of this uh, undertone of like sameness yeah. and uh, fitting in and not 
being weird and standing out. And so don't uh, ruffle feathers. Don't, yeah, don't, don't ruffle. Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. And so, um, yeah, that was something that I had to work through. Um, honestly, I, I found that once I got in college, that was probably, I went to college at USI, uh, university of Southern Indiana. So yeah, that's kind of like the moment where I noticed like, okay, I'm different than a lot of my <laughs> friends even. And like, yeah. I, I need to, um, to break out of that, to be myself, um, to not just like go with the flow and go and, or even just to like paint what is safe. Like whenever it even came to art making, um, I was like, I don't want to do that. That's boring. Like I want to, I, I want to feel something. I want to try something different. And I actually, um, from there moved to San Francisco and that's kind of where I broke out into. Right. Yeah. yeah. And my reference point is exactly the same. It's not easy to be someone who stands out or breaks the norm in a, in a place like that. And mm. you know, when you first started saying that they said, go crazy on this chalkboard. And then you went to town on it. I thought you're going to be like, they were like, not, not that crazy. Good <laughs> God. Like take it back. A notch. Uh, but I'm glad they celebrated it. But yeah, I get that. You know, the notion of like, you know, don't own your thing. Don't be, don't push any boundary, like just, just fall in. And it seems like that even kind of influenced because you wanted to go to school for art originally, but you didn't. What, what did you go to college for? Yeah. So, uh, advertising, um, yeah. my undergrad, yeah, I was like communications with advertising and PR. I'm like, PR, PR, like why? What? But yes. that's my parents, but <laughs> yeah. I, my goal was to go for art originally. And then my parents were kind of like, art, you can't make money in art. And they're both like, my dad's in the business world. Um, and my mom, they both had like small businesses on the side. So they were just kind of, you know, they were like, let's be safe. And, you know, maybe you can do that as a minor. And I was like, yeah. okay. Um, and so I ended up in advertising because they were like, oh, it's like business, but creative at the same time. So that's how we ended up there. Yeah, right. Yeah. And what... <laughs> And I know that that wasn't your first choice. It was kind of a refusal of the call of like, you want to be an artist, but you're like, no, I'm not going to take the path. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do the advertising thing. Uh-huh. And I just wondered here, uh, cause I knew you had this background in marketing and I was curious if there was anything in that education that ended up coming full circle, like, because a lot of artists, you know, they, they do, they don't refuse the call. They just go straight into the art thing. And I just wondered do you think it gave you any mindset or tools that you wouldn't have had if you'd gone just straight for art? Uh, honestly, I don't think I would be where I am today if I did not have that background. Not only yeah. did it give me basic design production tools, such as like Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, but I learned how to tell stories. I learned how to pitch myself because like from the get-go, you have to, even when you're an intern, you have to get up in a room full of like exec, not, not execs, but like art directors and creative directors and like pitch your idea that could be you know, all kind of levels of a good idea or not a good idea, but you have to present it so confidently that it like convinces people. So I think that that was a huge tool and just understanding marketing in general. I don't think I would be where I am today without that. Yeah. Did you, Mm. and so, and were there any, I mean, so there's presentation, there's the confidence of like getting up and owning your ideas. Was there any particular thing that that has been a through line to creating the creative brand that you have today. I'm just curious if there was any, any like particular thing that surprised you in school or 
Um, just something that you kind of carry on to, to today. Actually, yes, absolutely. And actually, it kind of ties back to what we were saying about Indiana and being yourself and not ruffling feathers. Whenever I went to grad school for an MFA in advertising art direction in San Francisco, I had a teacher named Roland Young. He um, kind of came up doing like Ray-Bans and like the Beatles album, the Abbey Road Beatles album cover. Um, And so his thing, like he was like, whenever I would present, he'd be like, Jessica, so boring from Indiana. Like, come on, like (laughs) be interesting. And I, and what it kind of started to teach me was like, okay, like I need to, uh, to create, um, I need to be interesting. Like I, I need to present myself in an interesting way. Go ahead and be my authentic self. Um, because that's what people actually connect with. And I think that learning that, I was able to take that into, you know, my my advertising job and to be like, oh, I'm Jessica, like, I'm really good at color, like, and I'm going to, like, put it in your face because, you know, that's, that's, like, what I'm good at. And so it kind of gave me permission to just be myself. And I took that into the Edivy brand as well um, when it came to you know, building a universe, color was yeah. my basis because I knew who I was through yes. allowing myself to accept myself. Being challenged <laughs> in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being, yeah, that's really cool. That's great. And so you went, you went from advertising school and you moved to San Francisco after your, so you got a bachelor's in marketing and advertising. Yep. And then you went to do an art program in San Francisco. And that's where you met somebody that changed the course of your whole journey, didn't it? That's what it seems like. Sure did. (laughs) I am. Tell us about that. (laughs) So I was, um, while I was in San Francisco, I met my husband, uh, Pierre, who is a French pastry chef. And we actually met online and um, we spoke for a while. He was teaching me French. I was teaching him English. And then after a while, he came to visit me in San Francisco and ended up um, like it. we hit it off. And he was able to find a job at a Michelin star restaurant in San Francisco as a pastry, like not the chef, but, you know, in the team. And it was just amazing to be able to connect with someone across the world. And uh, now we've what, been together 12 years now. And yeah. I'm in France. So, <laughs> yeah. how long have you been there? Oh my goodness. I moved here in, oh, it will be 10 years next year. Wow. Oh it's, my goodness. So, yeah, it's been that is an wild. adventure. And so you said, you said yes to that massive adventure. One thing that I caught on, uh, as I heard you tell the story in some different places was something that really fascinated me was this process of flying from California over to, uh, Paris and you stopped along the way, Chicago, Boston. What, can you tell me a little bit about that process and what it was like? Because I, I guess Part of what I want to get at is, is it's easy to look at your journey and just be like, wow, this is the most glamorous art journey that is just all, in- I mean, I'm sure lots of people follow you and think like, wow, American painter for a living, living in Paris to a, 
married to a pastry chef, like, good Lord, this is the most, but you know, I don't have that much of a epic backstory, but having like moved around and my wife moved, I know like the adventure has cost and it has struggle and there are, there are thresholds that, that hold you back. And, um, as I heard you tell the story of what it was like to even just go through the process of getting over there. It just sounded so intense. Could you just tell the story of flying out? Yeah, honestly, it felt like a, like, I kind of did like a little tour, I guess you would say, like on my way out. Um, It was, leaving San Francisco was incredibly hard for me. It was the city where I felt like I found myself. I found my creative voice. I had like friends that were family. So it was extremely hard decision to leave and my friends threw me a wonderful party, like on a boat. We went under the, you know, the, I almost said the Eiffel Tower, goodness gracious, <laughs> the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, a, you know, epic send off. Um, so then I flew over to, um, I saw my brother in Chicago, um, which, <laughs> okay, well, we like almost were like in a shooting, but that's like, uh, that, I know, I know, I know, I was like, this is a huge plot twist. <laughs> not, to, not, not to throw a proceed. plot twist in there. Yeah. I know. I was kind of like, do I say this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, well, I mean, I think now I have to say what? What? Listen, what is that story? Listen, listen. So I know. And then I was kind of just like, it's time for me to leave the States. Um, this is even more epic than I realized. I Goodness I <laughs> gracious. Okay. Okay. So I was visiting my brother. He was living in a part of town. Um, it was kind of like northern part of Chicago, but it wasn't a bad area but he had like a little sketchy area, like whenever you walk, you had to walk through a campus to get to the L. And so we were picking up my friend who just got in town and uh, my brother was kind of like, okay, it's getting dark. Like, let's keep it moving. And we were just like, oh, it's fine. He's like, no, you don't understand. And we were like, whatever. So we start walking and then like, I think we see like a guy run by and then it's all of a sudden like, shooting like maybe like a block not even a block like half a block in front of us and we all were just like what and so it you know I think like that was just kind of traumatic to experience on my way out because I was just like for days like shaking um because we didn't know what direction it was actually happening in you don't really know what's going on you just like run and so That was quite terrifying, and I was kind of, like, happy. I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to, like, head, o- head over to a country where we don't really have guns everywhere. But, um, but, um, but anyway, so that happened, and then I went to Memphis to visit my mom's side of the family and then flew to Boston, and my parents brought me to the airport, and they were like, you got this. We love you. I felt really supported on my way out because it is scary to move to another country where you don't really speak the language, And I wasn't as close with like my husband's family as I am now. And so I really felt like I was embarking on something really big without really having a safety net or knowing what was going to happen. Something that I do love is whenever like you land in Paris, there's always this like the sky is like this beautiful twilight color. And I don't know, because the light is different over here than it is in the States. I mean, in the world, light is different in general. And it was it was just so beautiful just because I had visited my now husband many times before. And it's like something that's comforting to me. I was like, oh, there's like the sun is rising and there's that beautiful like twilight blue. And I like everything felt okay, you know, and the plane landed. It was raining 
And I do remember like the smell of the rain of that day. I remember it smelled sweet. And so that was like something for me. I was like, okay, like it's, it's okay. Like, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but yeah. Good signs, good, good, good signs, evidence good that you're, yeah. I'm, yeah. You know, I feel like I just want to like dive a little bit deeper in that because there's a few pieces there where you said a few times the things that were comforting you through that process, which leads me to believe it was a difficult process. Like you were uncomfortable. I think the reason I want to drill down at this point is a huge mm-hmm. part of this show is about the creative journey and realizing like Mm. uh, from the outside you're you know you're describing these you know the smell of the rain and the support of your parents and all these things that looking back feel you know they seem like oh that see it was okay it was fine i was you know i was comforted i had but i'm guessing i'm wondering like what the feelings were throughout because i always want to highlight for creators on their journey who are facing the booby traps of the creative path and the, and the, and the, and the feeling like, did I make the hugest mistake of my life? That kind of thing. What were the feelings? Like what were the, as you were seeing your parents, as you were flying over a long flight to like probably dig into like, what is this? You know, were you doing all that? Well, absolutely. Because I had actually just gotten a job in tech in San Francisco. So, you know, that pays pretty nicely. And I was like paying off my student loans. So I I was feeling quite like a crazy person that I like finally got to a point where I could like literally probably pay off my student loans and a couple paychecks. And then and then I just quit the job and I moved to France. Like, of course, I was like, I'm a crazy person. Like this, this like, what am I doing? But um, that's like the main thing that was going through my mind because my creative job was a huge part of my identity. And so I felt like, you know, I didn't have a job waiting for me in France. And so like that was, it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. And it was just a whole bunch of feeling of course of uncertainty because, you know, we don't know (laughs) Um, what goes down. And whenever I did get to France, it was super hard. Like the first Oh my goodness, month. Uh, honestly, I think I like cried every day. I was like, what I, what did I, like once I was actually there, I was like, what have I done? Um, Cause to even like set up a life, like get a phone, um, you need an address, but you, you need a bank account. It's like a, like a circle of yeah. things that you don't have. And so <laughs> it's like a mess. And so, yeah, it was just extremely hard starting out but thank God I had my husband. He was yeah. so like, he had moved to America before. So he knew how hard it was. And it was great having someone who had that experience already to be like, like, it's going to be okay. Like, we just got to get through it, you know, a little bit. Um, yeah, I went to a dark, it was dark yeah. <laughs> for yeah. a moment. <laughs> I figured as much. I mean, I, having moved to England for five years and my wife moved here, we had a similar kind of thing. And I, f- I don't relish in getting you to be like, get to the darkness. Let's go deeper into the darkness. But I feel like, you know, when you're in that zone, uh, you have to turn to stories like yours, like other artists, when they get in that zone where they're like, okay, I made this leap. I made this um, decision. When it, when the hard stuff hits, hard always feels wrong. 
It always feels like it shouldn't be like this. Like it, this isn't how it's supposed to feel. And I just figured there's no one that moves to Paris uh, without, you know, with only just one person and just feels like this is the best thing ever from the time you hit, you know, get your feet on the ground. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And like, honestly, there were so many aspects like I because I didn't speak French. And so even to like go to the pharmacy or to the post office was like a whole thing and scary and ooh, it just ooh, taking me back. <laughs> so. It's hard to explain to people why. Uh, going to the post office is so difficult. And, and if you haven't been to a for- foreign country, if you haven't been somewhere, especially where they don't speak the same language or they might, they probably actually do in France, but they're going to, they're yep. going to give you a look <laughs> if you don't speak their language. Um, mm-hmm. from my experience, uh, yep, but, uh, yep. <laughs> but, and rightfully so give it a shot at least. Um, but, uh, but the yeah, I mean, yeah, the least you could do is make yourself look like a damn fool. They enjoy that. And <laughs> then like usually <laughs> they'll start speaking English back. They're like, all right, you tried. They speak um, perfectly perfect English. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to highlight that. And I think it's also interesting too of like, you know, you described so perfectly. I've, I feel like this gets dangerously. Um, I don't want to get into traditional gender roles here and call your husband the guide. But in this particular circumstance, it was very helpful to have that person who had lived through the same thing. Um, And I think that, uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great thing to highlight like those difficult times. um, Yes, they can be really meaningful, but it's any way that you can find those people that have been there. I think it, it seems like it really helped. And it like also just, it was winter. It was November. It was like gray and the buildings are all beige. Like I was like my eyes. You're hurt. the color queen. <laughs> my what eyes are you doing? Hurt. Oh my God. And, and, um, like I had just moved from San Francisco, which is like, like the vibe of the city is colorful. And so I was just like, like losing my mind, um, yeah. which is actually why I think I, um, whenever I picked up art supplies and cause we finally got an apartment and I picked up art supplies and painted the brightest thing I could because I was lacking color, like in my environment in general. Yeah. Like, that makes tons of sense. That's really cool. It's kind of, I feel like a lot of times we assume that it's the opposite of like, you know, oh, I went and traveled and I was so inspired by what I saw that I replicated it or whatever. And it's just fascinating that it's kind of the opposite of like, I actually, the creativity became the antidote to Uh the thing. Not, you know, the the inspiration was... The The lack. Yeah, the lack. Yeah, You like creating what you're lacking. Absolutely. What's not there. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. And that's, it makes a ton of sense. Like, your work is so vibrant and it, it was, yeah, it was just a complete antidote for that time. So how did you get out of that space once you um, were over there? Yeah. So it was definitely little by little. I eventually like reached out. Um, I had interned at Betsy Johnson and back in New York city, like previous years. And there was like one French girl who worked there. And so I like wrote her on Facebook and I was just like, Hey, do you remember me? And she's like, girl, of course. Like, I'll take you out. I'll introduce you to all my friends. And truly that helped me so much. Just like her kindness. (laughs) Um, It helped me feel like a person again. 
uh, because, you know, I'm not like outgoing, but I, you know, I like to socialize every now and then. And so it just helped me feel like myself again. And I started learning French a little bit and just slowly start building, you know, different parts of my life. I, I was applying to jobs, but like not getting any jobs because I did not speak French. So that was kind of hard to go through from being someone who uh, didn't really have trouble ever before getting jobs to like, you know, all of a sudden I am like, not that hireable. So um, that was like something hard to work through. But through that, I was I um, because I had that tech job, I was able to sustain myself for a while before finding you know, the right job for me and kind of took on my creative projects. Um, like my, I had like a little jewelry business on Etsy and I had a blog going at the time. And so my mom was like, you know, she was like, keep writing in your blog, like keep documenting, like what it's like being in Paris, just keep writing. And I mean, I'm not really a writer, but she wanted me to write. Um, and <laughs> so just keeping myself creative, but also taking time to explore the city where I was um, slowly. And then we had a wedding coming up. So I was like, I need to get a job so I can pay for the wedding. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's a good idea of reaching out to this one person, diving into your psyche and being like, what do I do? And being like, oh, the, I did know that one person. I had a very similar experience at my, when I was at my worst point in my creative career and didn't know what to do, completely mm. stuck. I remembered like, oh, that guy emailed me a half, a half year ago and I forgot to reply. And that person ended up becoming this kind of peer mentor that just totally oh, broke everything open. And I feel like that's a good thing that we don't really turn to that often. If you're genuinely stuck and you're like, I yes. don't, I, I do not know how to see my way out of this cave. You know, sometimes the only way to do it is to find someone who's gotten out or who has that experience and it's a great tip to just be like, have if you're in a stuck place, have you like went back to your mental Rolodex and thought, is has anybody figured out the thing that I'm facing right now? Right. Or even just ask for help, right? It's yes. like just even just like reach out, just reach out. Like then that's that's all it took. Like, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like getting out of my own head, being like, oh, she's not gonna remember me. But like, no, like I need help. Like I need, I need to just reach out. And Changed, changed everything, changed yeah. everything. Set so me then you got path. a job. Is that I, where you, is that, did, is that where you really came to terms with like uh, speaking French and, and all of that? Listen, the French people will talk about you in front of you at work. So you, <laughs> that was like. <laughs> that is hilarious. Like I've got to figure, I've got to learn this language, man. They're exactly. Talking. That was like the best <laughs> motivation I could have ever had because so I was funny. like, I'm, I'm like a hundred percent sure they're talking about me in front of my face. And so <laughs> oh my gosh, that is hilarious. Yes. We, don't, we don't really employ that in the school system when we're teaching languages. Like maybe the teacher should just get up there and just talk total crap about you personally. Solution. You're like, that's, I've got, I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. That's the trick. <laughs> Honestly, I, 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 I promise you, I think I learned French in, uh, six, six, seven months. Like wow. I was understanding and able to present in meetings and it was crazy <laughs> because I was like, Oh, Oh no, I need to, I need to pick it up. <laughs> that is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. That yeah. is so funny. And that, so that job was getting thrown in the deep end then. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even one month in, they were like taking me to like that huge company, JC Deco, which is like they they own all of the like billboards and like uh, bus. Oh, my goodness. I've lost all my terminology. Bus <laughs> shelters. Don't bus worry. Shelters. I mean, you're all talking to a simple spaces. Indiana boy. The only JC <laughs> I know is JC Penny. So I, I'm going to trust you. It sounds good to me, but you're Pretty not, much, you know, you okay, say good, any word great, you want. I won't know great. the difference. So yeah. Pretty much in the ad world, they own all of like the media placements. It's pretty much this place. Okay. It was like, I like could not believe they brought me here to present. Like it was like really high up people. And I'm just like, what? And so it was just kind of like really being thrown in the deep end um, and um, having to get creative and um, just let my work speak for itself was kind of how I approached that. But during that job, that's really when I uh, realized that I wanted to to leave the ad world. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Jessica, you move, you left America, you moved to Paris. Like that's already like a really crazy big first step thing to do. Like you do not have to stay in a job that you, that you went to school for. Like you left like the rat race, like leave the rat race, like go. And I was giving myself permission to fully pursue my true dreams. And yeah. so that job was kind of the catalyst. It's so that, interesting. Like, it seems like you're describing this path from the Indiana days of stick in, you know, stay to the plan and the way that you're supposed to do. And then you go to a school that's a little bit of, you know, it's not, it's advertising, it's kind of artsy. And then you kind of nudge to the art program in San Francisco. And then you go to Paris, but you're still in the job and you're like, okay, enough is enough. Like you just slow, it's like yes. aversion therapy into like, okay, <laughs> now I'm going to not be normal for real this time. For real this time. Oh yeah. my, I love, I like have never thought of it that way before. It was like little like steps, like one little step over. Okay. Now one little step up. Oh my gosh. Just putting yeah. your toe in the pool and then wow. so getting getting used. To, okay, I'm not dead. I'm breaking blowing rules. <laughs> You're blowing my mind right now. Okay, yep. That's, that's so what it funny. was, though. That's what it was. That's really what it was. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, um, cool. my French coworkers thought I was crazy because I was already I already had my Etsy store. I already had Etta V. I was pretty much like going home at night, uh, handling orders, designing new pieces, putting them online, and then I would ship them during my lunch break. And my coworkers were like, what are, what are you doing? Like, sit down, eat lunch with us. And I was just like, I'm busy. I got things to do. And they were just like American, like crazy American. And so like, I, I was just like, I, I have to, I have to get out. And like the only way is to like get my, like to build my business and get it to a good enough place to where I can do that full time. And so, um, yeah, it was dedication for maybe like, there was, it was probably like a side hustle for a year um, yeah. when I was building that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that pre- that pressure it seems like getting thrown in the deep end of that French ad company, and it seemed like it kind of was the catalyst you needed to go to go crazy on it. But I love I love this story because it's unearthing something that I hadn't really given much thought to. That's part of the reason I'm obsessed with the hero's journey is that it happens in phases. I feel like a lot of times we want Mm. to do this big leap and then it's like and then I went you know I went straight into being a professional artist and risked my entire savings and you know 
and just instantly overnight chose to be my full self <laughs> when really it's a journey. That's, that is what these phases are. And I think your story is such mm. a great example of, okay, so you're, you, maybe you haven't owned who you are fully and you don't need to do that overnight, but is there a part of you that you could just like allow to exist a little bit more? Like, could you just try the art thing or could, you know, I could you that. go for this risk? That's such a, an incredible, it illuminates that in a really powerful way. first started making stuff and putting it online, um, you're working the day job. Is it kind of similar to the stuff that you're doing now? Yeah, um, I had a mix of things. I had the brush strokey pieces, but then mostly it was like art prints where I was just like, it was more like graphic design or like illustration. It was a lot of things, um, <laughs> you know, but you know, we got, we got to start somewhere. And so, um, yeah, I was kind of just like, you know, creating like art, like wall art and then popping it on Etsy. And then I started to get some interest from retail shops where they were like, Oh, like, do you do wholesale stuff like that? And so I was testing that out as well. I'm sorry, I actually forgot the question. I was just wondering how it relates to what you do now if you started, because it sounds like sounds like there was a, some pivots and exploration in the early days, like probably most people have that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was, you know, you really just kind of have to like sling mud until you see what sticks. And yeah. so um, what I found is like once um, I really started to take off is that I felt like I needed to take a step back um, from like the art prints and really focus on the fine art, uh, which became kind of like the basis of what Edivy is. It's um, handmade, it's um, <clears throat> colorful, handmade, but, um, but you know, art has like a luxurious like twist to it. And I really wanted to make sure that I was making something that was like quality, um, beautiful, rare, unique, um, and collectible. And so that was kind of the pivot. Like after all my pivots, that's where I was like, let's let's go back to the art. Let's really build up the art first, and then mm. like then make prints. So, how did you? Yeah. What do you remember? What made you? What made you stop and and stand back and and reassess? Or like, do you remember what made you feel like, oh, that's the direction I need to go? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I did an Etsy Christmas pop-up market. Um, so the first year I did it, it went pretty well. But the second year, <laughs> the second year I found myself kind of just like sitting there and like people were shopping at all the booths around me. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> like, What's going on? What am I doing wrong? Like what is happening? And so I think when it came to that point, um, I was like, I needed to take a step back and realize I was kind of like, okay, wait, like these are French creators. They understand their, like the French market. I was like, who buys my stuff online? Americans, Australians. And I would say UK, like I would like, that's pretty much who 
Anglo, I guess it's like Anglophones, right? right. Um, and so I was like, okay, like I need to stop trying to sell to those who were maybe not interested and I need to find my audience and that's what I need to go for. But like, that was kind of like a hard moment where I like, I had to sit there and like, it was kind of a slap in the face. I had to like realize it and accept it. Like, you know, it's not happening for you here, honey. And so like... <laughs> Another one of those uncomfortable situations that became the perfect motivator. Exactly. (laughs) That's so funny. I I wonder what, you know, and maybe you didn't know, but as you're taking steps into the kind of discomfort, but I kind of think that that is as you were edging out and you kept like dipping your toes further, getting in the deep end, like, every step of the way you kind of let yourself experience the level of discomfort that you were ready for. Um, but it was still, still a balance. And I do think if you never let yourself experience any discomfort, mm-hmm. you're going to miss that the deepest forms of motivation. That's, that's where it, that's anything in my life. It's, it's through discomfort. And I mean, I think like even living abroad in general, it's like you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like that's, that is living abroad. And I have found that in my business and every semblance, like even just like Instagram, like showing my face, like there was a time where, um, I like, didn't really see many black artists or black, um, creators uh, just in general. And so, you know, I'd be like, is it okay? Can I show my face? Like, I don't like, and that was like something I had to work through. Um, but it's like, like getting uncomfortable and like really standing in it. And, um, and like you were saying, like going to the depths of that discomfort to motivate change. It's kind of, yeah, it's fascinating because there's this, every single step of the journey requires a level of risk. And I think that when you hear that, you might feel like, uh, yeah, if you, some, you got a risk for sometimes for it to go well, but it's such an interesting twist of like, no, you got a risk so that it goes bad. And then, and then you're going to find the thing that you need to well, take it to the next level. Cause sometimes the answers are in the bad things, right? Like it, you know, it, I didn't know I was selling to the wrong audience until I was like in front of them. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. It's very clear. Yeah. You know, one thing that comes to mind as we kind of look over the whole story is that there was this really clear call to adventure early on with this Mm. teacher you mentioned who is saying like, oh, here comes boring Jesse. Yes. And it was almost like it. You took that as a challenge. You're like, oh, boring. Do, do boring people marry French pastry chefs and move to the <laughs> other side of the world and like I, and learn other languages? And it's just so fascinating of, uh, you know, I think so many creators look at their own lives and they think this is uninteresting. And, and look, uh. first of all, I never think that's true. But second of all, your choices play a huge role in whether your life gets interesting or not. And I just think that you, from there on, it was almost just like a challenge of like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I did. I felt quite, uh, he said it in front of the whole class. And so I felt a way about it. I was like, Mm. oh. And he actually had already told us a story about another student of his who was like already accomplished by then. But he was like, oh yeah, like I told her she was horrible. And pretty much she like, (laughs) 
she like rose over time, rose through the ranks and invited him to stay at her like penthouse apartment in New York City while she was gone one weekend just to like throw it in his face. And so I was like, oh, this is like what he does. Like right. he like <laughs> it's one method <laughs> I, as a teacher. I can't condone it when you know, I, I'm not going to do that. But it is interesting. It's almost like he potentially saw something in you and, and challenged it or something. Challenged I don't know, it. But. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. You're, I would say nobody looks at your story now and is going to be like, Hmm, how, how boring. What a typical Indiana girl. (laughs) No, but, and you were saying something before about creating your life or your opportunities and, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have dreams, I have goals and I know that like, they're not just going to come to me and I need to like, I have, I have, and I have seen this in life is like, whenever I want something, I go after it and, I figure out like what it is exactly I want and then how I, how to get there. And I think that that is so important for any creative to know is like we are creatives, like we are creators and we can create like our things in our lives, uh, be it opportunities, um, like places we want to live, lifestyles, like we, that's, we have that power within us um, as creators. Yes. I heard you say that at some point in that I don't know if it's when you start doing the fine art painting, you decided that you wanted to have Target sell your work and that that was convenient Target. That's a convenient bullseye to go for. Um, how fortuitous. Oh, I see what but, you did there. I see what but, you did. Uh, but that process is kind of sounds like what you're describing of, you know, I, I think that that is, that's a big takeaway for me for your life is this thing of, you don't have to be owned by, oh, I was born in Evansville and that's who I am. Like you can say, well, that I want to go there. I want to create that reality. And how do I reverse engineer that into Uh existence and make choices that actually, if I don't feel interesting, how do I get interesting? How do I make those choices? How do I um, embrace that challenge? Can you tell us a little bit about the process of shooting for shooting at that target? (laughs) That's for my editor who loves puns. Okay. (laughs) Connor, that's for you, man. (laughs) I'm not really a pun guy, but I take the opportunity if just for his sake. I love, I love the puns. I love the puns. Um, Target specifically? Yeah, well, just, yeah. yeah. Tell or us just, about how th- that process, and it can be an example of how you go about yeah. making these interesting choices. I would say, like, in general, I believe in manifesting. Um, yeah. But also, just in general, whenever I was, especially when I was starting out, I made a list of all of the retailers and brands I wanted to work with. And... Target and Pottery Barn kids were like at the top of that list. I was really just like, yes, how do I get there? And so before I had moved to France or whenever I would visit, I would definitely walk the store in Target just to see like what, what is in this store? What are they actually selling, buying? And I noticed there were a lot of things that looked the same, but what I did was not in there. It was something that was missing. And so like, okay, how does this work? How do you even get artwork into Target? Okay, that's a manufacturer. Okay, so the manufacturer, okay, how does that work? Okay, the manufacturer buys the art from the license, 
the art from an artist. That's like one avenue or, you know, pretty much figuring out all the different ways that like this could even happen in the first place. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try both ways. I'm going to try to go through a manufacturer or I'm going to try to also approach Target directly, which is like way harder to do, <laughs> which we all know, I'm sure. So then one day I received an email from a licensing agency, which I hadn't even thought about. And what I learned about, you know, licensing agents is that they have relationships already with all of these wonderful manufacturers and even these stores themselves. And so through that, I, over time, I, you know, built up my portfolio, made sure I had lots of options. We had pitched them a couple times. They were like, not yet, girl. No, no, not interested today. Um, but you don't give up. You keep going until uh, one day when the time is right. And they're doing like a culture series, feature series. And my artwork was presented and they had remembered me because I had pitched them many times before. And so it was an easier yes. And they were like, yes, like, we're so excited to feature her. And, and I believe it was through a manufacturer as well. It was great because um, they have a whole feature that's currently in the store. I haven't seen it because I am over here, but I will be in the States next week. So I will see it very soon. Um, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I bet everybody in your uh, family's pretty pumped about that. Oh my gosh. My parents were just like doing a photo shoot in like an Illinois Target a week ago. And like every person that walked by, they're like, this is my daughter. And like, I was on FaceTime and I was like, dad, stop. Like, oh my gosh. Like so embarrassing. But <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> Everyone's super excited. Um, yeah. You don't give up. You got to keep going, um, keep trying to, you know, keep pitching. But while you're pitching, keep bettering yourself and your art and evolving so that it's in a good place when the time is right. I love that. And I think I always try to speak in a kind of non-dual way on the podcast because I myself consider I have some pretty mystical beliefs, but I also feel like they usually have very practical implications or connections and it, whether you, however you want to frame the process that you used, whether you want to be, it's goal setting or manifesting or whatever you want to call it. The fact of the matter is, is the process of getting really clear about your target and getting informed and making that trip and seeing like, okay, this is what I would have to do to fit in, but this is also what, how I have to stand out. This is actually what's different. And it, aligns, you know, for me personally, one thing that happens is when I create episode art for the podcast, yeah. I found that when I don't have an idea of what this is, when you're making stuff to exist, especially on a digital space, I'm sure like Gen Z won't have this problem because they like, they don't, they're like in IRL, like it's all life, man. Like I don't have any of that. Um, but for me, it's so abstract. Like what is a podcast episode art? And I've found that I can't really access my creativity if I'm not like, well, it's, well, this could be a sticker or this could be a t-shirt or this could be a poster or this. And I just have to have something to push for, back on, you know? But yeah, like this idea of getting really clear about this is where I would like it to go. That's the thing that happens is a lot of people do that or there's a lot of times where I did it that I reached it. There's a lot of times where it informed what I did and different things came to me uh, that were of a similar nature and it just acted as a springboard. And it's, it is a super powerful process and I recommend anybody go for it. However you want to... However you want to frame it, whatever does it for you, do, do that. And I, my last question was, 
you've gone on this massive journey. I know there's a lot of uh, difficult obstacles and hurdles to moving to another country and, you know, living away from your family and all mm. there's so much to, to this, um, to, to these incredible things. I wondered if throughout this whole story, if you could, for the fellow artists, save them some pain and say, <laughs> what's one thing you learned through this journey that they don't have to learn the hard epic journey way. Is there anything through your process that you could just say, look, here's an elixir from this journey that I can, that I can give you so you don't have to go through all that? First thing that comes to mind is um, if it's not working, uh, stop. Like, yeah. because I think that what happens often is like artists, we like love what we're doing. Like we, we should love what we're doing. And uh, maybe we like keep trying to make it work, but take a step back re-examine what you're doing. It's okay to like throw it away and like start new because I think that what I got caught up for a whole year, my whole first year after leaving my job, I was kind of not really knowing where I was going and I was kind of making um, hand-painted notebooks, which was working, but like not really paying the bills. So it wasn't really working. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, and I was like spinning my wheels on like just what I thought I should be doing and like, really just like pushing through and like editing yourself, like, you know, being taking a critical eye to what you're doing. Like, don't be afraid to like be critical of your work. I, lo I love that. I think there's a real ebb and flow there of like, you tried something for a year. So it wasn't like you weren't persistent or you didn't give it a shot. Like you, you were like really going for it, but you also took stock of how it, how it came back. And I think a lot of times in my practice early on, I was just not willing to do the math. Like I was like, mm. I want to be an editorial illustrator for, you know, and then, you know, I would get a few jobs or whatever would work out the way that it did. And you're like, I'm going to have to stop and say, how many of these would I have right. to do to, to pay my bills? Like, there yeah. you go. Yes. It's exactly that. It's exactly that. Taking stock and being like, wait, like, is this sustainable also? Like, no, it's not. And yeah, no. Yeah. And like we're artists, like we, we should be paid well for what we do. And um, it's kind of making sure you're like doing the math and figuring, figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really mm -hmm. appreciate it, Jesse. And I love your story is very inspiring. There's a million little things, even for me, I feel like personally, I'm going to be, uh, I've been stuck in a new kind of journey and I'm like, you know what? I need to find that person, that that one French person that I worked with. <laughs> no, I didn't really work with them. It's the equivalent of your story. Um, you. <laughs> I need to get into there and go back into the mental Rolodex, but I'm sure there are all kinds of little things that people can uh, take stuff from. So I really appreciate you just very vulnerably and openly telling your, your story here on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan. And so I'm just really like excited to be able to even just offer like any kind of uh, creative person insight and um, I hope it helps someone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Massive thanks to Jessie Rolet of Etta V. Go follow her on Instagram, E-T-T-A-V-E-E. -E. Thank you so much for sharing the story. Lots of good takeaways. I'm going to go ask for some help right after this. Um, and I love this idea of like, 
it's it happens in phases. You don't find yourself as an artist overnight. You don't just, you know, completely unmask your personality and who you are overnight. There's all these different levels and phases and uh, lots of good takeaways. Anyway, thank you, Jesse, for coming on the show to chat with you again. Huge thanks to Yoni Wolf in the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to the Creative Pep Talk team, Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for uh, editing this show so beautifully. Katie Chandler, Ryan Appleton, Sophie Miller, a.k.a. Sophie Pizza. She doesn't want to be Sophie Pizza. She doesn't like pizza that much. Um, (laughs) We've joked that I feel like a quiche is kind of... We could be the quiches because it's kind of like egg pizza and she's she loves eggs. So that's M- Sophie. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, massive thanks to the whole team. Thanks, Jesse, again. And uh, till we speak again, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up.